hello, my Anchor family, and also hello to the larger podcast family. This is Kimberly Bonner with the Business Scale Insights Podcast, and today is Friday, and you know what that means. Today is Friday Focus, and my focus is none other than, drumroll please, my dad. As many of you know, I've just come off a hiatus dealing with a personal um, matter. My beloved father, Amos Stephen Bonner, actually passed away in August. And uh, I was off from anchor for a minute, as you can imagine. We also had Hurricane Irma to exacerbate the situation. Um, But during that time, I got to reminisce about my father and think about his legacy and think about the things that he taught me. And I realized that the greatest way that you can honor any person is not having a panic attack and having a nervous breakdown and having fits and screams and all that kind of stuff. The greatest way you can honor a person when they die, when they pass, is to really tell the story of their life and also tell the story of the lessons that their life taught you um, to other people, to bless other people and encourage them along the way. And so my Friday focus has always been, if you follow this podcast, about other people. It's not about me. So it's got to be about, you know, other podcasters or other entrepreneurs or some, you know, other, you know, tidbit of information, an expert, but it's always pointing to other people, not me. And I thought, wow, on this Friday where I'm coming back from this hiatus, I really need to share the story of my father because it is a story of encouragement. It's a story of overcoming tremendous odds. It's a story of um, really just amazing um, triumph in the end. So when I was thinking about how I would tell my dad's story, you know, the the song from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, this is a story about how I was born and raised from Westville, Philadelphia, whatever, blah, blah, blah. You can tell I stink at memorizing lyrics. But anyway, I was like, how do I tell my dad's story? Because it's an incredible story. Um, my dad grew up in the South, in the, in the Deep South, was born in Beaufort, North Carolina, to two tobacco farmers. They had eight kids. I don't think his parents got out of elementary school. But don't quote me on it. I'm not sure. Um, But I'm almost positive they never got past high school. My dad started working as early as he can remember, according to him. And a few years ago, it struck me, we were sitting uh, together and we were waiting outside of the hospital um, for a procedure that my mom was undergoing. And for the first time, I got a glimpse. I know it's ridiculous, you know, over over 70 years passed and my father had kept the pain of his childhood really, really closely um, hidden. And he started to show me um, what he went through as a child and dealing with 
uh, life on a farm, life with a big family, life in the segregated South, and life in poverty. And he started sharing these stories with me, and these stories shook me. And I kept saying to myself, I need to record these stories because this is going to make a great book one day. And um, I never got the chance to sit down with my father and record those stories. And I wish I had. But in many ways, this podcast is a way for me to share those stories that he shared with me. I want to share my father's story, um, not to be morbid (laughs) and not to depress you, but to encourage someone. I don't know who's listening. You never know who's listening. And sometimes people think that, you know, their situation is hopeless and their situation can't get any better. And I want to share my dad's story with you. And even if it's just one person, I don't care if it's just one person out there in the universe that hears my father's testimony and hears my father's story of overcoming ridiculous odds. I don't know who you are. I may never see you before I die, but I pray that his story blesses you to keep going no matter what. My dad and I were sitting in this hospital waiting for my father, my mother to come out from a procedure and tears started coming into his eyes when he started t- telling me the story of how between the ages, maybe starting between the ages of five and seven, he was farmed out to work other people's farms and he didn't have shoes and he didn't have adequate clothing and neither did his sisters and they had to walk through muck and um, all kinds of insects and all kinds of excrement and they weren't paid. And so not only did they have to work their father's farm, but they had to work their other people's property and it was almost like they were indentured servants. And that was the word that he used, almost like slaves. And tears welled up in his eyes and he said, when, when you see that as a child, you come to hate poverty. These are my words, not his words. But he said something like, you come to realize that you will do anything to get out of that hell, out of that situation, out of that hopelessness, out of that poverty. And so my father started to share with me why he worked so hard. Part of his work ethic I believe was that he never wanted me or my sister or my mother or anyone he was he felt responsible for to ever experience that level of poverty ever again and I can say this um, very powerfully there are a lot of people out there that glamorize poverty there are a lot of people out here who are in political office, who are business people, um, who are in policy positions, and they think that somehow poverty is 
um, venerable. There are even religious institutions that think that poverty is a wonderful thing. If I could give you a picture of my father's eyes and the tears that welled up in his eyes when he talked about the dire poverty that he had to deal with and, and how it didn't make any sense why his family was so broke in spite of the fact that all these children were working to really get ahead. I'm telling you, if, if I could take a picture of my father's face, it would shake you to your core. And as I spoke to my father, it was almost like a seed was planted in me. He always encouraged us to work hard. He always encouraged us to do our best. But it was for the first time really at, in that conversation where my father gave me a glimpse to how devastating poverty can be. And part of my passion, yes, I have a, a business, Yes, I come from a legal background, but part of my passion, and it will be with me until the day I die, is to expose ways out of hopelessness, to expose ways and doors of economic freedom and prosperity. Because I can tell you, when people experience dire poverty, it is from the pit of hell. It's not cute, it's not fun, it is psychologically traumatizing. And so I'm speaking to someone right now. I don't know who you are. You might think this is the most cornball podcast, but I feel like I'm on a mission to continue my father's legacy. If you hate poverty, there's a reason. You were never intended to stay there and you were never intended to die there. So again, this is Kimberly Bonner with Business Scale Insights, sharing my father's story and his legacy. So my father came from, you get the picture, poverty. They were not rich by any stretch of the imagination. And that fed a desire for him to get the hell out of that situation by any means necessary. And so like so many kids of his generation, the armed forces was a door of opportunity, particularly the GI Bill. So my father signed up, he enlisted in the military, he served our country in the army, and he came back and he enrolled in North, North Carolina Central University, a historically black college that um, gave him a degree. And after he graduated, he wanted to teach in uh, North Carolina. However, at that time, there were, they were paying black teachers in the segregated South in North Carolina almost peanuts. It, it was a joke. And so he was like, you know, I, I could make almost as much, you know, working on the, you know, as a long, uh, as a foreman or something like that. Why, why? I don't need an education. I don't need a degree to make this kind of money. So he sent out an SOS to his personal network, which was his family. And um, there were some family members who had migrated to South Florida. And he said, well, you know, you think I could get a teaching job down there? And they said, well, come on down. You can live with us and see if you can get a better job opportunity there. Now, two lessons. I don't know who I'm talking to. But when you don't see opportunity in the area where you live, I don't care if you're white, black, Latino, Asian. Um, if you see nothing but poverty and starvation, 
it's time to move. And so whether the move is, is radical and you go into the armed forces or whether the move is geographical and you make a move to South Florida, but you know, nothing can die. Nothing can live in a desert. And sometimes where you are is a desert situation and you have to relocate. So he relocated to Florida and his life changed. The two biggest choices that my father made changed his life. One was to join the army. The other was to move to Florida. When he got to Florida though, it didn't look like it was a great opportunity because when he went to go interview for jobs for black teachers and he told me the story and I laughed, it was almost like a cattle call and this very country white gentleman got up and got into the microphone and I guess it was a cattle call of teachers and he said, excuse me, attention, attention, I have to tell you, unfortunately, there are no job opportunities for the Negro teacher in Fort Lauderdale, Broward County Public Schools right now. I'm sorry you're going to have to go back to wherever you came from, but we don't have no opportunities for the Negro teacher in Fort Lauderdale. Many of my dad's peers packed up and they went back to where they came from. My father had no desire to go back to where he came from because that was, in his opinion, the pit of hell. So he decided to wait it out. And so he took these odd jobs. He was a, he worked at a laundromat, a dry cleaner, I'm sorry, a dry cleaner. He worked as a shoe salesman. I believe he also may have worked as a waiter. He had all these odd jobs. And then lo and behold, he, he was the original hustler. My daddy was the original hustler. But lo and behold, I guess a few months later, there were some opening at the Negro schools. And my father started, believe it or not, as a substitute teacher at an all-black middle school. But hold on, the story gets better. So daddy finally finds out that there is an opening and he can become a substitute teacher at an all-Negro middle school in Fort Lauderdale. He starts out as a substitute teacher. He eventually gets a full-time gig there. And I believe the middle school was called Lanier Middle School. I believe it's closed now. And at Lanier, my dad, I believe, I got a fact check. My mama will check me on this. She met, he met the lovely Bessie Gertrude Allen. And um, I don't know, maybe their eyes met across the lunchroom counter. Uh, maybe their eyes met as they were walking past each other in the hallway. I don't know. Some kind of chemistry was going on. But my dad uh, set his sights on making my mother his wife. To make a long story short, they met, they got married, they had a whirlwind romance, they had two kids. Um, but we were still in the ghetto. My dad, I believe, was still a, a teacher. He was working his way up. I think he had an a, assistant principal job by the time I was born. And he was looking to make moves in administration within the public school system in Broward County. But when I was born, um, uh, 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 oh, I'm sorry. He became the principal of Everglades Middle. That was it. 
um, at, uh, during the time I was born. There's a seven year gap between my sister and myself. And anyway, um, things didn't look pretty um, in our little house, our little gunshot house in the in the hood. Um, uh, folks tried to burn the, our car. Um, there was a gentleman that tried to actually literally break into the home and and kill my mother when she was pregnant with me. And my father, who hate, I'm telling you, he hated poverty and everything that was associated with it, which includes crime. Um, because desperate people do desperate things, bottom line. I don't care what color you are. When you're desperate, you act desperate. So my father decided, no, I want to move out of this area and, and into a better opportunity for my kids. And so in the 70s, my father took the great leap of faith to try to integrate an all-white community in the 70s. And he knew he needed, in order to do that, he was going to need help. He was going to have to get a VA loan to get the house. And he was also going to have to make strategic moves in administration to become a principal. And so moving from a principal of a middle school to the principal of high school, and he became principal of Dillard High School in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And at the same time, in 1976, we moved to Coral Springs, Florida, and we were one of the first black families to integrate that great city. And I say all of that to say, again, um, daddy worked tirely, tirelessly to get out of anything that looked like poverty. And if I could, uh, I, I know I'm beating a dead horse here, but if I could say anything about his legacy, if there was a legacy that he left my sister and I and all the kids that he taught and all the all the kids that he was a principal over, it is um, do what you have to do. Work hard for economic freedom. So my father, Amos S. Bonner, uh, moves from substitute teacher to full-time teacher in a Negro school <laughs> to a uh, full-time middle school teacher um, to administrator at a middle school to a principal of a middle school and then finally principal of Dillard High School. And he was at Dillard High School for 13 years. And we thought that he was going to retire, honestly, at Dillard High School. Um, he loved that high school. Sometimes I felt like he loved that high school more than he loved his family. They were the extended family. They showed up at the wake. Some showed up at, at the funeral. Um, but dad wanted more. And so he kept climbing. And so he became um, an administrator on the district level at the Broward County Public School System. And so he became um eventually deputy area superintendent and then area superintendent and then he moved up and this is the punchline my father became when he retired the deputy superintendent of Broward County Public Schools at the time in the 90s when he retired the Broward County Public School System was one of the largest public school systems in the United States of America. Hear me. 
my father went from walking in the muck in a tobacco farm, dirt poor, to uneducated parents, to retiring as the deputy superintendent of Broward County Public Schools. I share his testimony and his story to encourage someone. And this is the bottom line. If my daddy can do that in far worse circumstances, in a far less hospitable environment than anyone I know that is living today, anything is possible for you. The sky is the limit. There's only one limit and it really is your mindset. So I've gone through all of his story, not to brag, not to boast, but to share a legacy of overcoming incredible obstacles. If he can do it, I can do it, and you can do it. So no matter what, all things are possible. My father should have been a statistic, but for the grace of God. So let his story and his testimony encourage you today. I don't care how bad it looks. Keep knocking on the doors. Keep asking. Keep hoping. Keep believing. Because if my dad had stopped knocking on doors in Broward County and gone back to North Carolina, he wouldn't have met my mom. He wouldn't have had his children. And he wouldn't have retired deputy superintendent of Broward County Public Schools. So you can do anything. Anything is possible. Be encouraged today and have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. If you think that this testimony, my father's story, is something that somebody desperately needs to hear, I definitely encourage you. Share his story on Twitter. Share his story on Facebook. Share his story to other podcasters. I don't really care. But the bottom line is he would be pleased that his story of overcoming helps somebody else overcome. Have a great day.